All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. A couple of big things happening on this show. I'm going to talk about big bikes for little tykes with Puck from 95.7 of the Rock. And then after that, I, I talked about this yesterday just a little bit on my own. Just kind of going through the Lacrosse County Board budget, which meets tomorrow in its monthly meeting at 6 p.m. But Monica Cruz, the Lacrosse County Board Chair, is going to join us and talk a little bit about the budget. Well, talk a lot of bit about what's on the budget. Some of the more important things, or what I think, I guess, are more important things on the budget. And then also, uh, we haven't got word from the Assembly, the State Assembly, on the shared revenue plan. I think they were going to make some amendments to the plan that they put out last week. Uh, but we get Monica's, we're going to get Monica's opinion on that plan. Uh, yeah, no news yet. Joe Billings, lacrosse, well, the the state assembly rep representing lacrosse, uh, will be on with me tomorrow. So we should have a good, pretty good breakdown from from Jill on the Republican plan for shared revenue. Essentially, what I like to say is local government funding from the state. Shared revenue, easy way to say that, but not always kind of clear on what that means. Um but before we get to any of that, I want to talk about this story I saw the other day, and there's kind of an update to it. Uh, the The government, essentially, I, I don't know how to, I don't understand quite. Is is a the, the government just says, ah, eh, it's okay to bring dogs into rest, restaurants, which is kind of a weird thing. But like, okay, so is, is it like guns? Like, you got to put a sign out that says you can't have guns in your in your building, so you can't have dogs in your building now. Is that how you have to do that? Um, but uh, the U.S. government has given its blessing to restaurants that allow pet dogs in their spaces. Uh, this is something we've seen in La Crosse, downtown Main Street, Inc. Did this last year. Um, like It's the anniversary of this. Last year, they, they kind of put out a, a – people, people often request that, hey, what do you want from downtown La Crosse? We want more spaces that are pet-friendly. So they made that an initiative, and I think there's – uh, multiple businesses downtown that you can kind of see where you're allowed to bring your pets in. But apparently the U.S. government has got involved and said, yes, you can you can do that. And not everybody's happy about it. Uh, I made fun of this with Steve Doyle. Was this two? Was this last year at some point where the, the, the state was working on like in the midst? It must have been more than last year. It must have been a couple of years ago because it was like in the middle of the pandemic. And the state was trying to decide on pets in businesses, which was kind of a funny thing since we couldn't really have people in businesses at that time. Um, but they, but it wasn't it wasn't even pets. No, my bad. It wasn't pets. It was dogs and going into stores like Menards. It wasn't it wasn't restaurants. It was just like stores like that. And you know what? I don't even know if they passed that bill. But at some point during the discussion, somebody put in an amendment to also allow cats. Like it wasn't inclusive enough. They they, they needed an amendment to allow cats. We kind of had a lot of fun with that. Um, But I actually don't remember if that got to out of committee or if it got through the assembly in the Senate. I don't think it did because I feel like I would remember if it went through all the the branches of government and was signed by Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. Um, but, But there's just multiple layers to Allowing dogs to be in businesses. So the U.S. government's doing this. The Wisconsin State Legislature did this a couple of years ago, at least talked about it. And and then last year, downtown Main Street, Inc. just kind of did it on their own as a, as a city, you know, a city entity. Um, but I, I just think it's funny that the, all this commotion um, in, in allowing people to have their dogs in stores. Us dog owners, man, we're... 
needy. We are needy. But it, it, I, I get it a little bit, right? Like, okay, some people don't like dogs. Also, dogs can be hairy. So having dogs in your restaurant is kind of gross, right? Besides the hair, they, they could do other things. First of all, they could jump on tables. Some people put them on the tables. I think one of the pictures from the AP story was a dog sitting on a lady's lap, and you just kind of look over there, and you're like, what? Um, they could also do other things, number one. Number two, right there in the restaurant, potentially. Uh, maybe on a table leg or somebody's leg, <laughs> lifting the leg. Uh, so so I get it. There's just this initiative to allow, have dogs in, in, in places. But restaurants seems like a bridge too far. We, we often go to Senior Via. They have outdoor dining, so we'll bring our dog there and kind of sit in the way in the corner so the dog can kind of chill. But you're outside, right? Like, it's totally different. And and then, like, not, you know, is your dog friendly? Is your dog cool? Do, does your dog, is your dog mean? But the, the, the dilemma for dog owners, especially starting now and going through the summer months, is if I, if I can't, if I got to bring my dog with me, because dogs aren't as easy as cats. Cats can just do the thing in the litter box. But if I got to bring my dog with me, I can't leave it in the car. You can't roll your windows down. That doesn't work. And even if you were going to leave for like 10 seconds, well, 10 seconds, like a minute, somebody might see the dog in the car in that minute and call the police or break the window. So there's just this dilemma. You don't want to leave your dog in the car. So uh, it's just kind of funny that it's a thing that every every layer of government has talked about seemingly. Uh, maybe not in the city council. We did feral cats, but not dogs. Uh, but Anyway, uh, coming up, Puck from 95.7 of the Rock. We're going to talk about this cool thing that they do every year, 27 years. In fact, uh, big bikes for little tykes. And after that, we're going to break down some of the Lacrosse County budget with County Board Chair Monica Cruz. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now is Puck from 95.7 of the Rock to talk about one of these cool things that happens Every year. Cool is a weird way to say that. One of these great things that the Rock Foundation does every year. It's called Big Bikes for Little Tykes. Uh, essentially, it's like the the make, uh, the local version of Make-A-Wish, right, Puck? Is that kind of the best way to put it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's what, you know what we've been doing for a number of years now. When we first started the ride uh, about 27 years ago, uh, we used to do it uh, along with you know kind of the, the Make-A-Wish uh, foundation. Um, but what we decided after a couple of years, it's like, you know what, we have plenty of kids around our very own area that we could be helping out. So we changed it up uh, about 25 years ago to where we would pick a local family for which we would ride for. So basically we get everybody, uh, and go on a big, uh, motorcycle run. It's a fantastic time. It's, and it's always for a great local cause. So, there again, each year we pick a family uh, that has a special need or has uh, a special wish, kind of a make-a-wish like you mentioned, and we make that dream or that need come true. Yeah, and this year we're riding for Emerson Smalls. She's a nine-year-old out of Bangor. So since I've been covering this puck, it's always been kind of the thing that the kid wants. It's you know like a basketball court or something cool, like video game set I think was the thing last year. I was kind of jealous actually. Um, but this year, it's it's more of along and along li- the lines of a need, right? It's it's just essentially just a, a not just but like a med- medical equipment or a medical bed. 
Exactly. And I mean, it is a little bit different this year because like you mentioned, and, you know, along with the Make-A-Wish things, we've made, uh, you know, trips to NASCAR races and meeting drivers come true, swimming with the Dolphins come true, going on the dream vacations uh, with their family come true, even a pontoon a couple of years ago because one of our kids really loved spending time out on the water. Uh, so a lot of those are more of a bit of a dream style or a, an awesome vacation or a once in a lifetime experience. But I think anyone can kind of wrap their head around uh, just how insurance can be nowadays. Uh, and this family in particular, and, you know, especially with Emerson, they have a little bit more of a real-life need uh, than a vacation or a trip or something like that. And one of the things that would be really, really, really helpful uh, with Emerson is a piece of medical, medical equipment that their insurance just doesn't cover. And it's incredibly expensive. It's not something that the family would be able to just go out and buy at any point. So that's what we're doing with Big Bikes for Little Tykes this year, is raising the money so they can get this equipment for their daughter that will help her out tremendously and give her peace of mind and comfort and the family peace of mind and comfort. And it's something that she really, really, really needs. But it's something that they can't afford or that their insurance doesn't cover. Yeah, essentially what I wrote in the story is knowing Emerson can sleep without the chance of getting injured during a seizure or becoming entrapped will give the family that that peace of mind. We're speaking with Puck with 95.7 The Rock and The Rock Foundation about big bikes and with big bikes and little tykes. 27 years of this, Puck, you said you kind of, you know, like it started as a little bit different and he evolved into something you could do more local but how did it start? You guys at The Rock do a lot of these things. The the .01K comes to mind that would just happen a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of these things that get the local community involved. This is a little bit different and a little bit more, you know, heartwarming. But yeah, how did how did it start? Well, it was it, it started a long, long time ago, and you know, it started at first with just uh, you know something fun to do and let's raise some money and let's you know do some good stuff for charity. And you know, it started with like fifty riders, I think, the first year. The second year grew a little bit. And then it's gone, you know, kind of incrementally ever since. And, you know, I mean, depending on weather, obviously, that number changes every year. But we've had, you know, the last couple of years, we've had anywhere between three and 500 riders that all get together and just, you know, go on a, we take a different route every year. So the, the route and the roads always change. The destinations always change. But the start and the finish are always the same. We start at Great River Harley-Davidson. We go about 100 to 120 miles throughout the Cooley Region roads. And then we end up back at the Onalaska American Legion for a little bit of a post party. Uh, and then we also unveil the motorcycle that we give away every summer with the 95 days of summer. But that's a different story. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's all about getting together, having a good time, raising money for a local family, and just, you know, getting that nice warm and fuzzy and knowing that, you know, you can really, really help out. That's one of the best things about this entire area is people are so willing to do just about anything to help their friends and neighbors. And that's something that we've been continuing on with since we started the radio station and since this ride began. It's something we're extremely proud of and something that we're going to continue until we can't anymore, basically. So hopefully this runs forever. Yeah, big bikes for little tykes. And I'll say it's it starts at 10 a.m. on Saturday. You can get tickets. You can donate. You can get involved around RiverCity.com, 957therock.com, or just Google Big Bikes for Little Tykes. I'm sure it'll take you to that website as well. And, okay, but you you kind of glossed over the thing, Park. How, how did it get started in terms of why are we riding motorcycles around to help a little kid? <laughs> Well, it's always been something that bikers have gotten together to do. They've always, let's face it, you know, back in the old days, bikers always had a bad image, but bikers always have big hearts, and that's the whole thing, and that's how it started in the first place. 
is if you can get a bunch of guys together to have a good time and raise some money and do something good, you're going to do it. You're going to take that opportunity. And that's something that continues generation after generation. So, you know, a lot of the times when you see a bunch of guys riding motorcycles together, it's not just because they're out riding motorcycles together. It's because they're doing one of these poker runs or charity runs or one of these drives or one of these things to raise funds to help people out throughout the community. And that's not just with our ride. That's with practically every ride. So that's just something that we wanted to do as the radio station to help out families in need. And it's kind of also a branch, you know, of our in-house foundation, the Rock Foundation as well. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of it. It's like, if you can, you do it. If you can help out, take that chance and take that opportunity. Yeah. It reminds me of the story. I, you, you'll see these stories around once in a while, but the, the, all these bikers stop at a girl's lemonade stand because that girl's mom at one point helped one of the bikers that had an accident. And then you see these like hundreds of bikers come and buy lemonade from this girl at a lemonade stand. So it's kind of along that image, like these bikers, they're just people. They just ride bikes and wear leather. And, and this is a way that to get everyone together. And you don't have to have a bike, a motorcycle. Can you take your car or, do, or you could just party yeah, at the absolutely. Legion, right? That's absolutely right. I mean, like you said, you see these stories all the time. And, yeah, you don't have to ride either. It's like, I mean, if you can't make it this weekend or if you don't ride, I mean, like you said, I mean, you drive your car if you'd like. uh, But if you can't make it or have other plans or don't have a motorcycle and don't feel like riding, well, that's not a problem because you can still make a donation to the family. We uh, take online donations at, uh, you know, 95.7 The Rock, BigBikesForLittleTikes.com, AroundRiverCity.com in $25 increments. So you can basically, you know, make a donation towards the family if you want to help out that way. There's all kinds of ways that you can help. Yeah, or just hang out at the American Legion for the post part, the post ride party. I think, and there's brats and and soda and everything going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a really good time. You know, it's something that you know we've done for a long time, and it's just something that we really enjoy. It's something we look forward to every single year. So we'd be looking forward to seeing all of you guys out there if you can make it. Um, and if you can, again, you can make a donation online. And I'll, I'll say again, the Big Bikes for Little Tikes this year, 27th year of doing this. They're riding for Emerson Smalls. She's a Bangor nine-year-old. And she goes to West Salem Elementary, and she's adored by students and teachers alike. Uh, she has a 16-year-old sister, Kayla, as well as a chocolate lab named Remy, who is her best buddy. <laughs> And her parents' mom is Kristen. She's a registered nurse, and her dad Ty works at a tire. He's a tire service technician and a volunteer firefighter. So, and they need this piece of medical equipment. I think it's a medical bed that, uh, of course, health insurance doesn't cover. So, and it's just going to help them out. Puck, twenty-seven years doing this. You've been involved since the beginning, but I know I don't know exactly when. But at some point, you had kids. And how did any of this change your perspective on life or on on your passion for doing this? Not that your kids would ever need. Well, hopefully never. But I don't know why I went there. But not that your kids. I get you. I mean, no, but I mean, I I understand totally. And that's the thing. It's like, I mean, year after year after year. The nice thing is, is we've met a number of fantastic families over the years. And all of them have, you know, different struggles and different issues and, and different things that they need a little bit of assistance with. And, you know, especially as a parent, that's something that you think about. You know, it's like if we were ever in a situation like this, we would hope that, you know, people around us and our friends and community would be able to step up and give us a hand. And that's the thing. I mean, their family has got a wonderful support system. She's got some great friends. She's got some great relatives and just, you know, a wonderful support system. Sometimes 
that's not enough. So that's where, you know, we can step in and where everybody as a community can step in and help out. I got to go to a dark place here for, for a second because you've experienced this for, for all these years. And I don't know when you started doing it locally, but not all these stories end great. The big bikes always ends great. They, the kid gets their wish or their need because you kind of keep in touch with some of these families. But then obviously not all these kids make it. We do. And unfortunately, we've had a number of those over the years as well. And that's just how life is, unfortunately. It's like not all of the children that we've ridden for, the families that we've ridden for, have had that happy ending. That's just part of it. And it's an unfortunate part of it. But we've still maintained contact with a lot of the families. Uh, We have a number of, of people that we still see on a regular basis. And that just warms your heart. But again, unfortunately, not not everyone can be a happy ending. I feel like, too, when, when this happens, it's, it's almost like a motivating factor to keep this going to do even more, right? Absolutely. We're speaking with Puck with 95.7 The Rock and The Rock Foundation. Big Bikes for Little Tykes starts at 10 a.m. Saturday. You go to roundrivercity.com or 957therock.com or just search Big Bikes for Little Tykes to sign up if you want to ride. It begins at the Onalaska Harley-Davidson, finishes at the Onalaska American Legion, where there's going to be a little post-ride party and if you don't want to ride, go to the post-ride party. And if you can't do either on Saturday, then you could just donate uh, for Emerson Smalls, a nine-year-old out of Bangor, a West Salem Elementary student, and her family needs essentially a medical bed to to help her with. I, I didn't deep dive into what is actually wrong with her, Puck, because it's just it's kind of it's something that happened at birth or right after she was born, like an hour later, and she just had problems with. I didn't get into that yeah, as much, but it's a genetic disorder that affects her speech. It affects it affects her vision. There's also epilepsy involved, so she has seizures, and that's one of the things that this, this medical bed it has. A, I mean, this thing is is tricked out like you wouldn't believe, and it has so many pieces of technology in it that can you know monitor practically everything and it's you know it's not only for her health it's also for the health of her family and the benefit of her family because i mean she can have seizures in the middle of the night and there's you know you wouldn't know and you know like you said earlier that you know that this is something that can really help the family have a lot of peace of mind as well it will alert them if she's having seizure it'll alert them if she's having breathing difficulties it will alert them there's any issues so they can act on it immediately so it's just a piece of equipment that's going to go a long way in helping not only her, but her entire family. Yeah, and the coolest thing about this bed is next year, she'll be able to ride it during Big Bikes and Little Tykes. For little t- <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, Puck. Thanks so much, man. Absolutely. Big Bikes for Little Tykes. Go get involved. RoundRiverCity.com, 957TheRock.com. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me now, squeezing me into her busy schedule today, is Lacrosse County Board Chair Monica Cruz. Hi, Monica. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. I'm good. How are you doing? Why? Why is Wednesday busy? Tomorrow's the Lacrosse County Board meeting, but Wednesday's too busy for you. <laughs> it's not too busy, but you so know busy. What? Yeah, you, you never know which days are going to be super busy. Um, there's, um, you know, hard to predict, but. Um, Every day is busy, really. And not to get dive into your personal life, but is a lot of this county board related or just, you know, these are, I actually have other things going on in my life. Both. Both. <laughs> Both. But I have a lot of county board meetings, believe it or not. Yeah. Like, Some of them kind of arcane. You wonder, you know, why do I need gold? But I do. Just, a, <laughs> just ju- because by virtue of being the county board chair, I have to show up. Yeah, and just in general, like to be on the county board, can you give like kind of a broad a broad number of 
how many hours somebody that's, you know, doing doing their due diligence to be a county board member would spend in a week or, you yeah, know. Just... Um, that actually varies because county board members don't have to go to that many meetings. They go to the two big meetings a month that the whole county board meets, and then they go to their particular standing committee. And then if they, if they volunteer for some others, they can go to those, but they don't have to. So, yeah, a regular county board member maybe in a week spends, I don't know, average of three to five hours. Okay. Well, and then they got to do some homework, right? Three to five hours sounds like about yeah. the length of the meeting, but homework on, on the side, right? Well, what, if I say five, that's like 20 hours a month, you know, on the high end, like five hours a week, that's 20 hours a month. That should cover it. That gives you time to do your homework and okay. go to the meetings. The and meetings then usually last a couple hours. In the chair yeah. and the co-chair, a little bit more than that? More. Much more. Much more. I go to probably, I don't know, maybe 15 meetings a month, okay. you know, for different for different things. And, um, you know, lots and lots of, like, behind-the-scenes kind of, like, meetings. <laughs> and do you get your nap yeah, in at call. those meetings? Because 15 meetings, Monica, Ugh. I'd be napping. It's a lot. It's a lot, right? And it's just because, you know, if you're the county board chair, you're expected to show up at uh, La Crosse Area Planning Commission, La Crosse Emergency Planning, um, you know, all, the, all those different meetings that I don't really have a whole lot of expertise in, but nevertheless, I'm there. I'm, I'm chair of a WTC um, committee um, where I have to go and, and interview people, you know, candidates for offices and so forth. So, yeah, it's, you know, something you wouldn't expect until you're actually into it, and then you know that, you know, there's all kinds of obligations. All right. So there's a th- quite a bit on the agenda for tomorrow's meeting. And um, I, this gives everybody like 24 hours notice. But before we get into that, the, the state is currently and at this point, I haven't got the release of the assembly shared revenue plan or uh, like I, what I like to call is the state's version of the local government funding plan. Uh, by the state. I don't know. It's a mouthful. It's a shared revenue doesn't exactly explain to anyone what it is, but this, it's the state right. funding local governments. Um, so we haven't got that plan released by the assembly, but Jill Billings will be on tomorrow to kind of break it down for us, hopefully. Um, but when you see Governor Evers put out his shared revenue plan and the Republicans put out theirs, I don't know. I don't know how much you deep dived into this or if you just kind of let it happen or if you contact maybe Jill Billings or somebody else and say, hey, this doesn't work for me. But what what, as county board chair, do you, I don't know, how does the county board kind of look at that? Because it's going to be important for you guys, right? It's extremely important for us, right? So I'm very interested in it, and I follow it fairly closely. Um, so when the governor released his budget, there were um, a lot of um, perks for county government. I mean, we have a huge surplus, $7 billion. So, um, you know, there were <clears throat> allocations that, you know, we hadn't seen in a very long time. Well, as you well know, the legislature, you know, struck huge parts of the governor's budget, um, 580 items they struck out, many of them pertaining to counties, not all of them, obviously. Um, so the assembly came up with their own bill. Um, they are proposing like a, a kind of a total revamp of shared revenue. What they're um, proposing is that of all the sales tax collected, um, counties will get um, 20%. So, uh, a penny for every five pennies collected. Yep. And that will, and that will be the county allocation, like the, the shared revenue, if you will. And then, um, 
there's a couple of other um, pots of money that they're planning to send to counties which are designated, like they're restricted spending, like you can only spend them on like police um, um, items and um, um, emergency uh, preparedness items. So those are very restricted. You can't just use them for anything. Um, And they they promise that the um, counties are going to get um, a 10% raise across the board. That's what the promise is, that this new budget will give us all 10% more than we've been getting. If they take that money that they promise you and just restrict it to you can only use it for police, fire, EMS, and transportation, let's uh-huh. just say that. I don't know if that's exactly uh-huh. yeah. the plan because yeah. they're going to change it. They're, hopefully, they're revising it, I think, because the governor right. said he'd veto it. Um, yeah. If you t- if you take that and you go, okay, well, we'll set all that aside, and then everything else the county gets in terms of like taxpayer in, in state funding or local funding – would, would it just help? Okay, we can use that, and then we can allocate everything else we get to the other priorities. Would it work? Would it be as simple as that? Would it work that way? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> it's never simple. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, there'll still be, you know, pots of money for specific things. There'll still be, like, health and human services spending, I'm assuming. Um, you know, we haven't seen all that, and Jill will be able to give you more detail on that um, when you speak to her tomorrow. Um, you know, what what... I'm concerned about is um, it it takes a lot of power um, away from counties and puts it back into the hands of the legislature. For example, um, one of the uh, items is that counties can no longer have advisory referenda. Um, you know, and that that's a, you know, a way for voters and and residents to make their their um, opinions known to legislators. But for some reason, they don't like those. So yeah. those are out. It's one of those things uh, I brought up many times, Monica. And I, I, I point out, too, that the state legislature didn't didn't in this funding plan didn't didn't uh, prohibit themselves from putting items on the, the, the ballot. The state uh, oh, a non-binding referendum from the state legislature. They can still do it, but counties can't. Absolutely. Right. And there's all kinds of items like that in there that I just really, you know, first of all, they seem slipped in, you know, so nobody really knows about them. And secondly, you know, it is definitely a power grab um, uh, and taking power away from counties. And, you know, that's always concerning to me. All right. We're speaking with Monica Cruz, the La Crosse County Board Chair. All right. The, the county board meeting, monthly meeting, the big monthly meeting is happening tomorrow at 6 p.m. Uh, a couple of things on the agenda. OK, so Governor Evers was here yesterday to talk about broadband, a, kind of a town hall at the public library. And coincidentally, you guys are forming a broadband committee. Is that coincidence or is that kind of by design? That is definitely not coincidence. I'm, there is a statewide push and actually nationwide push to um, provide, you know, broadband across the board to everybody. Um, as you know, there's many um, underserved areas um, in Wisconsin where there is no uh, connectivity to, um, you know, Wi-Fi broadband. And so this is sort of like the equivalent of rural electrification, but it's uh, rural broadband hookup. And so the governor is a huge proponent of that. So he was in town yesterday. Um, it was a very robust um, discussion with uh, the Public Service uh, Commission, do, kind of doing a public hearing. Um, lots of community members were present and participated in these little roundtable um, talks. And I thought it was, um, you know, very worthwhile. And the governor was part of that. He sat at the tables and talked with each of us. So I thought that was, uh, you know, that was, you know, very engaged on the part of a governor who normally drops in, gives a five-minute speech, and leaves again. So, yeah. 
Okay, so when it comes to a broadband committee, what are you trying to find out? Because here's what I heard, and you tell me if I'm wrong. The the county board at some point, I don't in the in the recent past, had studied kind of how to get rural broadband out there. And it and the the what I heard was it was going to cost about eighteen, fifteen, eighteen million dollars, and that would serve eight hundred residents or eight hundred households or whatever uh, homes. I guess you would call them because you got to get the broadband to the physical home. Um, is that number right? And what or not? Okay, I don't know about that number that you just um, quoted. Um, I think that depends on the providers and who's going to be in there, you know, doing the work, you know, doing the fiber optic, you know, the fiber optics, uh, yep. optics lay, laying the cable on all that. So I have not really seen like a hard and fast number on that. Okay. But um, the plan is that, um, you know, they, they have like a nationwide map where they can tell who's, you know, who's hooked up and what areas are not. Yep. And the plan is to fill those areas that, you know, are currently not receiving service and however much that takes there's you know a, a, a bead program from um, the the federal government they have allocated 45 billion dollars and that will be divided up between the states to um, get everybody hooked up and uh, you know in order to be part of that you have to have a broadband forward committee um, and you know we passed a resolution to be part of that effort and so um, you know, we have to have our committee, which we have now um, established. We'll vote on it tonight to get those people appointed to it. And then we're ready to go and participate in that effort. Well, do, do we know what the committee will look for? Because it sounds like you already have a map. So is it just, just uh-huh. looking uh-huh. into, just diving into more of those details? Because I feel like you have a lot of the details. Right. So here's, I'm going to read you what um, the responsibilities of this committee will be to develop a countywide vision and goals perform stakeholder engagement, identify barriers to broadband infrastructure projects, provide direction to staff and other engaged parties, and ensure digital equity for all across county residents. So that will be the, the charge of that, you know, committee. All right. Is, and um, is, is lay it, the groundwork so we can get her hooked up. Is it going to take a while to get people on that committee? Because we've tried to form a policing committee, and that's taken a while. Obviously, this isn't as contentious. Yeah, well, tonight there will be 10 people that uh, will be nominated to be on the committee that have agreed to serve. Okay. So, no, I don't think it's going to be real difficult. All right. So we already kind of had that figured out. Um, all right. Moving on. The, the next one, um, just uh, this one we don't have to spend a lot of time on unless you think we do. But uh, the town of Campbell obviously has a PFAS problem or a forever chemicals problem in their well water. We've been t- we've talked about it ad nauseum probably for two. I think they have been on bottled water for over two years now. Uh, they want yes. a half a million dollars for more research. Is this something that's going to pass, or do you guys really have to debate this? No, no, this already passed. We actually had that in our budget um, back in December. That was part of the budget, okay. and now we are just releasing the money to them. And okay. that's you know kind of a it's a gimme. We've right. already allocated it, and uh, you know they are doing what they are you know what they promised to do. So yep, they're getting the money. Okay. Uh, next one, then we don't we don't need to spend any time on that. Then uh, ARPA money for skills trade training. I, from from what I read on the agenda is the county doesn't have a skills trade training program, so we need someone to kind of provide that. And the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Lacrosse is going to do that. And it sounds like a lot of entities around that that uh, are are ag- agreed, and we're going to allocate two point four five million dollars uh, from ARPA funding to to do that. Well, the plan is actually tonight to allocate. Two million dollars, not two point four five. That was the original 
allocation that the county um, put into the pot for skilled uh, tr- uh, trades training. Um, the uh, resolution tonight will um, allocate $2 million, if it passes, okay. to the Boys and Girls Club for their program, that, which will leave then $425,000 for some other skilled training things that we might want to do down the line. Oh, okay. So the $0.45 million that's in this resolution that I'm looking at at the agenda will just do, go for other things? Yes. Okay. Yes. Somebody's going to have to cross that 2.45 off and then change it maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think that there has been changed, but you might have an old one. This was done. This was amended at um, executive committee yeah. last week. And so that's the new number. <clears throat> um, and, and the but next thing... Start out. The, the next thing uh, on the list, I don't know what order you guys will do this at the, at the board meeting, but... Um, a couple, I want, is it a couple of months ago, we, we hired a, a consultant to look into diversity, equity, and inclusion in the county, and, and she's going to give her a report, but can you just kind of explain what the consultant was going to look at? Is Yeah, so um, La Crosse County passed a resolution quite a while back, and I'm trying to remember it was when it was, and I can't, um, declaring racism a public health crisis in the county, and this was, you know, a, a resolution that many other counties also passed, so it was a statewide effort. And um, as part of that resolution, we eventually um, hired a um, DEI consultant to help us, um, you know, kind of get an idea of, you know, what, what does diversity look like in La Crosse County? And the goal was sort of to, you know, establish um, I'm going to read you what the goal says. A lacrosse county in which all community members can fully and effectively access county services, influence county policy and direction, and feel a sense of belonging and safety. So that was the goal. I mean, it's very simple, you know, nothing too, uh, you know, too high-tech there. Um, right. You know, just make, make the county more equitable, basically. And so she has done lots of interviews with um, leaders in the community, both county leaders and um, business leaders. Um, I think she's talked to 49 leaders in the community and, um, you know, gotten their opinion on what they feel, you know, is going on in La Crosse County, what the state of the county is in terms of, of um, diversity and equity and inclusivity. And tonight she's going to give us a report to, um, you know, share her findings and develop next steps. All right. And I'll have... Um the county supervisor on next Tuesday to kind of maybe rehash what she, she does with her support. I said supervisor. I didn't mean that the uh, administrator Jane Kleekamp. I'll have her on next week, Tuesday. (laughs) So we could probably, uh, and I'll tell you, Monica, I looked it up as you're talking April, 2021, you declared uh, racism, a health crisis. And in February, in February this year, you hired the consultant. So man, a lot of time passed between those two things. I know. I know a lot of time. I mean, these things, you know, move slowly. Are you are you nervous at all? Does like what she might come back with? I mean, feel like you could be no. a little bit nervous. I don't think I'm nervous. No, I think I think we all kind of know what's going on in our community. I think sometimes people don't want to recognize it. People don't want to, you know, um, admit that there are some issues. But I think if you don't, you know, if you don't own it, you can't fix it. And so I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say and what our next steps will be to make this a, you know, a more equitable community. All right. We're speaking with Lacrosse County Board Chair Monica Cruz. Just last thing that I that I have on the list of things. And this isn't all the things the county board will do tomorrow at their meeting at 6 p.m. But this is uh, just some of the highlights. Uh, 
and I don't know where you, where are you going to what are you going to do with this one? A resolution. This one, everybody that my listening always be like, yes. Uh, resolution for increasing funding for highway and bridge construction by three million dollars. The last time, maybe not the last time I talked to you, but the one of the last times we talked, the county was doing above and beyond in terms of like funding road construction projects, like beyond anything it had ever done in the past. So it's kind of weird to see this one. But is am I wrong there? Am I wrong to think that? No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think we have been putting much more um, of our resources into road, uh, road improvement. Um, who doesn't want good roads, right? I hate going over roads and, you know, hitting potholes and, and you know, jostling my way downtown. Um, so, yeah, I think we're all, you know, intent on getting as much of our highway system fixed as possible. So um, we used to allocate $5 million a year for lots of years, and then we upped that um, in the last couple of budgets to $7 million a year. And now somebody feels that $7 million is not enough, and they want to um, allocate $3 more million in addition to that. And I think, you know, maybe the impetus to that is they feel that there might be some leftover ARPA money that they can snag for that, which there is not, by the way. Or they feel they can take it away from other um, departments, you know, other departmental spending, or maybe we could borrow more money. I mean, those are all some options that have been laid on the table for getting that extra $3 million. So it'll be very interesting to see how county board members feel about that tonight. Is it a matter of, Monica, is it a matter of just the... The, the cost of fixing roads is increased and maybe that seven million you went from five to seven but seven million isn't even enough and you need to go up to ten well I think that is true I mean road construction has definitely become more extensive for sure um, another issue is um, you know workforce we have a hard time you know um, getting people to even bid on a, a, some of our contracts because you know everybody else is you know in the same boat as we are and uh, and there's limited workforce. So, you know, it's, I think that makes it maybe more expensive, too. So, yeah, I, I don't know the answer, but I feel a little bit um, um, hesitant to, like, in the middle of a budget cycle when it's not budget time to suddenly, you know, decide that we need three more million oh, dollars. Monica, but, it, but it's a great time to say we need to fix the roads. We're coming out of winter. Everybody's driving over these potholes. It's a great time to, like... <laughs> Get everyone behind you if you want to try to get rope on. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> I agree. I yeah. totally agree. I mean, you know, I like good roads. Everybody loves good roads. Yeah, it's just a question of how we get there. Uh, all right. So. That's that's Cross County Board Monica, uh, Chair Monica Cruz. Monica, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you bet. Always a pleasure. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap up. All right, that's going to wrap it up for a Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks to Puck from 95.7 of the Rock talking about big bikes for little tykes. Begins on Saturday, 10 a.m. Go to Round River City or 95.7 of the Rock or search big bikes for little tykes to sign up. Get involved. You got a motorcycle, definitely get involved. But even if you just want to party and, and do something for a good cause, Emerson Smalls, a nine-year-old from Bangor, West Salem Elementary student, they, that family could really use your help. And also thanks to Monica Cruz, Lacrosse County Board Chair, for breaking down some of the items on the board's monthly meeting agenda. Uh, you can check out that agenda. My, the best way to do that: search Lacrosse County Board calendar. 
and then just click that day. It's the only thing on that day. Sometimes there's more than one thing on that day, but that's the uh, the best way. That's how I find the agendas on the lacrosse, whether it's committee or the board meeting that happens at the end of the month. All right, coming up tomorrow, Jill Billings, assembly rep. She's going to help break down. I We haven't seen it yet. Haven't seen the shared revenue plan from the assembly Republicans, but hopefully that comes out tonight and we can break it down with Jill Billings tomorrow on the show. And then on Friday, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Thanks everybody for listening.